Everyone, we wanted to take a quick moment to thank all the listeners, the viewers, and of course the patrons out there. The team here at Vector Sigma hopes that we can bring a little levity and a distraction from the weight of the real world. Time is always precious, but that has become even more obvious now. We want to say that we really do appreciate everyone out there that's spending their time with us. Three, two, one. Welcome back, folks. This is the last part of our very long but very entertaining talk with Chris Vangelis. So please enjoy. This is the effect I have on other people's podcasts. <laughs> that they'll be like, "What?" And we've never had a five-hour runtime before. But... Oh, but have you have you listened to Scott and I talk? Yeah, we can definitely <laughs> stretch it out. Spoiler season. I mean, come on. Uh, this me, is me, Scott are good to go. So just apologies yeah. to you. Then, no, no, I'm good. So, uh, <laughs> well, then I will kick it back to Scott. Like you were saying, you, it, the man behind the curtain, sort of thing. But uh, what else did you have on your list that you wanted to to go into, Scott? uh let me check or anything off the top of your head because i'm looking at the the list now and we kind of touched on a number of the the dedicated transformers related things um here's here's one actually i'll give scott some time so i've heard rumor chris that uh you're you're kind of a wrestling fan so yeah i um (laughs) when i was a kid wrestling was cool because i grew up in the time period where it was the uh the new gen where they pushed everyone as cartoon characters and so Uh you know it was built to get kids like me to go like, oh, this is cool. Um, and, and I was always a very wannabe goth. So I've always, I always thought like, oh, there's, I like the supernatural characters a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Um, nowadays, what I enjoy is I, I really like, I like the idea of pro wrestling. I've, I, I've seen it live now a couple times, some Ring of Honor New Japan shows locally, which is okay. probably the best thing to see live, uh, which is incredible. Um, one, one of those dudes is also a big Kamen Rider fan, which is fun. Okay. But uh, the, uh, the, the thing I enjoy about it is the what it is now, where everyone knows it is performance and how one can appreciate what it is as performance. But for me, that means I like it when it doesn't try to maintain a very grounded realism. Okay. So I really enjoy stuff like Broken Matt Hardy, for instance, is is something I have enormously enjoyed because I feel like that stuff like Broken Matt Hardy, uh, stuff like Lucha Underground's first two seasons where the pro wrestling is the action sequence, but it is contributing to a completely fictionalized story. It's something I really enjoy. Gotcha. Uh, and I, I know for a fact, there are a lot of wrestling fans for whom that is absolutely abhorrent. Uh, so <laughs> I, I, I don't fit in a whole lot. Well with like, with like pro wrestling as a huge fan, but I like watching uh, bits of it. I, I just like it when like the, the performance, the fight performance is impressive or when the, when the character work gets really out there, like broken Matt Hardy in one of his, Cinematized uh, fights reversed a poison spit, which you can't do in real life. Um, (laughs) Okay, but I the thing that I like about his stuff is it's all still grounded in pro wrestling logic, if that makes any sense. So if someone spits poison at him, what he does is he inhales. So he inhales the poison spit, then spits it back at them, and then it does the poison spit thing to them. Because whenever someone gets spit in the face in wrestling. For whatever reason, it's as though someone threw acid in their face, even if it's just water. They'll always right. go, and like turn over and fall on the ground and roll around. Um, and there's something of a logic to like 
yeah, he pushed he pushed Y to reverse the move as an <laughs> makes sense. Uh, or there was something I saw, as you can see it on YouTube. There was a guy who would do a thing. It was the slow motion grenade. Uh, so he'd uh, he'd he'd throw he'd take out he'd mime taking a grenade out of his trunks, throw it on the ground. Then everyone in the ring would just go with it as though it had exploded, and they all went into <laughs> slow motion. The ref, they'd, they'd be in slow motion. The ref would be in slow motion. There is a clip where the announcers and the crowd also go into slow motion. <laughs> they got the crowd to buy it. The crowd goes, this is awesome. And then they clap really slowly. And That's like, fantastic. They do stuff where a dude would go to the top rope and jump and two guys would basically carry him so he'd fly in slow motion and collide <laughs> with somebody. Uh it's, it's amazing because I was like, yeah, like some one of the comments someone would leave on that YouTube video would be like, well, this is this is just this is making it look really fake. And it's like, all right, you don't but say. I, I don't think that was a concern. <laughs> yeah, it's like, <laughs> I don't know. I'm not an expert. I wasn't there when they drew it up, but maybe that's what they were going for. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's, I think as a as a performance medium, there's so much cool stuff to do. Like you know, in in yeah. in the big league, big money stuff. Like mm. the only one I can think of right now is the Fiend. Like having a dude get to just play a supernatural character full on with like straight up a, a demon mask and stuff like mm. and then to play that straight faced and they, they already screwed it up a couple times. But no. it, it's it, this carries over to what I like about tokusatsu as well. It's like when you do something like that with costumes, with live action fantasy, as long as you do it with a straight face and you're not like kind of glancing at the audience going like the whole time. <laughs> yeah, I really love it. Like there's something about the genuineness of it. Um, and what it asks of the audience to also be genuine when mm. you're watching it. Like, something about that I really enjoy. And so that, that's kind of my, in a long way, that's, all my answers are this long, but <laughs> in a long way, that's that's what I, I enjoy about, about pro wrestling, is like the the performance of it without mm. asking me to go, like, also, you gotta pretend like you didn't find out how it works. Because I'm like, I just can't, though. Like, I know I know how it works. <laughs> and I'm, I'm more impressed by it now that I know how it works. Like, when I watched it in person, I was... You don't understand when you watch it on TV. When you're in person, anyone who can pick a person up in person looks oh, three yeah. times bigger than they do on TV. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Their yeah. legs are, the, are as thick as my head. Yeah. And when, and when they do any kind of move, be it a suplex, be it a jump, anything that involves landing... It is deafeningly loud when they land. Uh, oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And like, that's, not without, that's without the whole, like, Mike's under the ring thing. Like, just the right. physical noise. I mean, granted, I always ended up in the front row, which was cool and helpful. But, like, it is so loud. When they do the stage slap to get that big, like, noise, like the yeah. big chop or something, or even the kick where they slap their thigh, those slaps are deafening. And I'm like, there's no way you do that without being a trained performance athlete who is taking a very stinging experience to create that noise. Yes. Um, and, and watching some of those dudes who are, maybe they're not six feet tall, they are still three times my size while looking like a He-Man action figure. And then when you see them in person jump from a height of like ten feet and land on three other people who catch them, but in a way where they look like they also got hit by a falling object, it's, it's fascinating to behold. Yeah. I can definitely agree with that. And there was definitely a moment when I was a kid, you know, watch wrestling with dad back in the day. And then you find out what the reality is and it's a disenchantment, but I've come around, I don't want to say in recent years, but over time to exactly what you're describing, where I can appreciate the 
the physical ballet that has to occur in order to produce what we see. Um, yeah. And it's just and, one of those things that it's just, if you take a step back and think about it in that capacity, it's pretty impressive. And and also just identifying what you enjoy about it. Like, right. like I, I know that I enjoy it when it gets really ridiculous. Like that, that to me is what I want. <laughs> yeah. And so like, like I can enjoy like watching two highly technical dudes just go at it and have a really good match or something like that. I, I can watch oh, yeah, of that even yeah. like, Oh, this is neat. But like, I don't usually go out of my way to watch it because because I'm like, unless there's something where I'm like getting pulled into the the incredibly fantastical storyline, like it's going to take work for me to really get uh, invested. Yeah, um, that's why I just I like it when it pushes when it pushes that stuff. Or uh, one of my favorite ones is Yoshihiko, the blow up doll. Um, there's a <laughs> that one I don't know. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that oh! you're gonna have to elaborate on a little bit. <laughs> okay, do you know the Golden Lovers? No. Okay, this is a this is a New Japan thing. So do, do you okay. know Kenny? Do you know Kenny Omega? Uh Okay, so it, Kenny Omega has a long time par- performing partnership with a fellow named Kota Ibushi. Okay. Uh, Kota Ibushi is is astonishingly talented at if like when I when I refer to it as like the medium of wrestling, Kota Ibushi is like if he's made out of paint, basically for that medium. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, I got gotcha. you. Ridiculously talented, and will just do anything. Like they did a bit where uh, Aja Kong from uh, he's a female a female wrestler from Japan. Like they did a bit where Kota Ibushi was going home from his, from buying groceries, and they did a TV prank bit where like a crowd just formed around him, and they pulled out ropes everywhere, and then Aja Kong walked out and was like, <laughs> ah! and then Kota Ibushi, like you can see, he doesn't know what's happening, but in less than a second, he's just going with it. Nice. So he so he goes like ah he like goes up goes at Aja Kong like bring it and Aja Kong like goes to punch him and Kota Ibushi like does a backflip in the in the streets <laughs> does a backflip and like goes down. Uh, so Kota Ibushi did he did a twenty minute match against a blow up doll. Um, <laughs> in a, in a, a group called there's a, a a promotion called DDT Pro, and Kota Ibushi <laughs> Kota Ibushi put on an incredible storytelling fight with a blow-up doll where like he was taking pile drivers uh-huh he was taking suplexes because he could perform the side of that he would be doing while making the blow-up doll look like it was doing the the attack side of the motion damn there's That's... a part where he takes he takes i think it's like seven i think it's called a sunset driver in a row where he he puts himself in a, in a about to take a powerbomb position from this blow-up doll. Like, he bends over, puts the doll over him. Then he basically just forward flips and lands on his head seven times in a row God to imply damn. that the blow-up doll had done that to him. That is uh, impressive. <laughs> the the blow-up doll also had a guy in, like, a black Zentai suit as, like, a puppeteer every now and then to, like, okay. the, the blow-up doll had to, like, do something when, when Kota was out of the like, There's a part where, the, where Kota goes out of the ring, so the, the puppeteer runs into the ring, picks up the blow-up doll, and runs, and then spins it around a few times as though it's doing a cartwheel, and then just <laughs> physically hurled it over the top rope at Kota Ibushi, <laughs> who catches this blow-up doll, who's very light, but Kota Ibushi makes it look like a 300-pound person just hit him full-on in the face. <laughs> And goes back into the crowd seating. Like it's incredible. Jesus. Is this on YouTube or something? I, yeah, I Yo- Yoshihiko has multiple matches now with Kota Ibushi. Oh my like, god! They, they've done a series. Uh, I'm gonna have to look this up. That that's hysterical. It's incredible. It's incredible. You and oh you watch it. By the end of it, 
like some of the comments are the best. The comments are always like, "Man, you wouldn't think a blow up doll. You you wouldn't think that uh, this match would have been a five star match." Thank goodness Yoshihiko was there to carry Kota Ibushi to that five star <laughs> ending. <laughs> that that's like Kota Ibushi oh, does oh a gosh. giant swing to Yoshihiko where he has trouble getting it going first. He makes it look like Yoshihiko is too heavy. Uh-huh. To like start swinging him around, like Yoshiko's like trying to reverse it, and it's all Kota Ibushi, like mock wrestling with this inflated rubber thing <laughs> That's, in a t-shirt. That is actual insanity. Like that, wow. Like I'm to impressed. to to uh, <laughs> to get across the notion of weight is like yeah. a stage mime skill that some people need like a year plus to even learn. Yeah, and and dude is doing it and also having a fight with the thing. Like it's incredible. That that's unbelievable. I'm gonna have to check that out. That's pretty funny. Good lord. <laughs> well, let me Some, tell you. Someone's probably, someone's probably also about to comment, going, "It's the stupidest thing in the world," and they're probably right. But it's also precisely <laughs> what I like. Well, my my answer to them is, "What do you hate most about fun? Is it <laughs> is it like what do you what do you hate most about fun?" <laughs> A lack of realism, obviously. (laughs) Grounded realism slams fist on table. Uh, Well, let me tell you, I did not expect that. That's where that question would end up. Let me. I'm always ready to talk about Yoshiko. Let me tell you. I I got one other quick one. Okay, go ahead. Um, I gotta, I gotta make sure I get his name right. There's a New Japan guy who has a mascot that's a that's a cat. Okay. Um, I think it's like a house cat, or you mean like a panther? No, like a little plush cat in a t-shirt. Oh, sure. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, Daryl. That's the cat's name, Daryl. Daryl Takahashi the cat. Okay. Um, so, yeah, Takahashi has his cat named Daryl. Um, and there was a whole bit where people started attacking Daryl, and Takahashi would, like, that's how you get him distracted. Or that's what mm. get him to, like, lose a match. Is like, instead of attacking his partner, you attack his plush cat. Gotcha. And uh, That's the secret, I, the secret vulnerability of the boss. Well, at, at one of these Ring of Honor New Japan shows, Takahashi was there, and he, he put his cat on the announcer table that I was near. Okay. Um, and he would, like, look one of the announcers in the eye and go, like, you're going to look after Daryl. And I was telling my <laughs> friends, I'm like, guys, I'm, I'm kind of new. I'm kind of marking out. We're sitting right next to Daryl. <laughs> Daryl Takahashi right there. Uh, at one point, one of the commentators was Colt Cabana, who had, like, a thing they were going to do where, like... You know, they, they they pick a fight. Some of the guys in the ring pick a fight with one of the commentators, Colt Cabana. So Colt Cabana stands up, and then he grabs Daryl by the neck. And <laughs> that's where I understood what the audience part of the experience is. Because I was I was just readily going like, like because I was standing right by the announce table. I was one of the people where I just pointed, and I just shout like, You put Daryl down! <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then Colt Cabana takes Daryl into the ring and, like, threatens to... He he throws Daryl onto the onto the floor. Yeah, and we're and the whole crowd's like, ah! And <laughs> threatens to elbow drop this plush cat, and me and like countless other people stand up out of our seats, hands held forward, go like, don't do it. <laughs> Takahashi's like on his knees, like don't, not Daryl. That is that is awesome. That is uh, that is amazing. That's, I don't. I don't have any words like that. I don't know how to describe that. That's another capsule of like that's what I. That's why I enjoy the most about that medium is like. Yeah. It's like you do something ridiculous, but with a straight face, and then if yeah. I'm there in the audience, you just. I don't even get to question if I'm going to take part. I'm like, no, I am going to scream at that dude. You leave Daryl Takahashi alone. Yeah. <laughs> that is spectacular, and I could definitely get behind that. Where it's, yeah, the over the top silly, but everyone treats it as real life for the moment. 
And it, that's yeah. definitely enjoyable with those sort of things. That is, I, I'm just blown away by both of those, to be perfectly honest. That's, that's hilarious. I'm um, here to turn your podcast briefly into a wrestling podcast. It's just something I do. Let's hey, go. I've, I've, uh, I've listened to a few WTF and TFWs. I know how the story goes. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I have a few under my belt. So, <laughs> um, Well, Scott is back. So, Scott, how much of that, that story did you catch? Because I know you had to step uh, most away briefly. Of, most, most of it at the end. I just had to run out real quick. Okay. Um, so let me let me kick it to you because I've been picking his brain about wrestling and mostly laughing my ass off, to be honest, <laughs> in case everybody out there couldn't tell. So go ahead, Scott. So the last question I have um, is, it's kind of like, it's a, it's the same question, but like in, 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 in opposite sides of the coin. So like, how would, how do you think that somebody that only plays the card game should get into the fandom and what where where they should go. I mean, obviously, I have my opinions, but like, what your opinion would be as, as at like an expert level, and then the opposite would be: How do you think somebody that was that has no experience with a TCG could get into Transformers TCG if they were part of the fandom? Those are those are I, those are things I have put thought into. I, I uh, oh, good. I think it's very <laughs> I think it's very important to actually have those two through ways because you know it exists. Mm-hmm. Um, when, I'll talk about TCG first, fandom second uh, to start off. I think if you're because the thematics of the TCG tend to be pretty strong. If you play the TCG and you just really like a deck, that's that's basically that's there's a place to start. Go and and start mm-hmm. looking into those characters that you like to run. And, and find out about their various stories. What I would tell someone is that the only thing you really need as a preamble to, to Transformers as a fandom is that there is no one continuity. There, there is, in fact, like hundreds of continuities. So don't worry about it. If you find one you don't like, just see if the character has appeared anywhere else. Eventually, you'll, you'll either find that that character barely gets used or you'll find one that you like, or at least you'll find enough to, to come up with like a character for your own version of the deck. Like if you, you know, wave one, you really like running bugs. You love running the insecticons. Okay. Mm-hmm. Who are these guys? These guys I like to run. I know I'm not running bombshell, so I don't care about him, <laughs> Right. but mm-hmm. wait a second. He's one of the purple ones. And, and some of these guys aren't purple. What's up with that? That's already like a whole weekend. You can spend now, like go look up the insecticons, mm-hmm. look up right. the deluxe insecticons. Um, Maybe t- either get bummed out or take solace that the deluxe Insecticons have borderline no canon characterization. Right. Yes. So you just have tech specs. You can start kind of making up your own version of it, or you can go like, damn, on the other side of this, I would really like to run the three purple ones. I'm going to just try figuring out something with Bombshell. Uh, I remember back in Wave 1, I ended up figuring out something with Bombshell, but it unfortunately had nothing to do with, with the Insecticons. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I ended fair. up really liking... I liked, I really liked running him with Nemesis and Flamor. Like That was my, my favorite Wave 1 deck. It sounds uh, hypothetically very defensive. He had a, he had a four, huge. He had four, yeah. I think he had four defense. So you know. yeah, yeah, there, there was a there was a bugs player I played against who did the math, and in one one of our tourney games, he was like, "I wasted thirty five attack points on right. Bombshell. Right. <laughs> I traded his four defense." I could see right. that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, if you're if you're in the TCG first, like just look at the the decks you like to run. Look at the characters you like. That's the easiest anchor. Mm-hmm. Um, find out about them in doing so you might find out about other characters where you're like well their card isn't very good but now i just really adamantly want to figure out a deck that's at least has a satisfying gimmick to it you know like a mm-hmm. personal win con um and then if it alter so i think that that's really about it because from there it's just it's a c it's like you just tell mm-hmm. someone yeah. mm-hmm. you tell someone there are multiple there are multiple continuities and not even in like the dc comics way there are 
Right. Like every coloring book is a separate continuity. So just don't worry about don't worry about canon. And mm -hmm. if, you, if you don't like what one canon is, you probably will find another one. Exactly. Uh, just just have fun. If it, if it, and so on the other side, if it's a Transformers fan who wants to play the TCG, that's where often you can kind of say the same thing. Is first off, who are your favorite characters? All right, let's figure out if they have cards in the in the game. Uh, I'll usually I've done this before at least once with a friend where I like to sit down with them like, okay, you like these characters? Let's figure out what cards they have. Now let's figure out like, do those cards are those cards actually in any like like ridiculously powerful decks already? If they're not, are they in any kind of are they capable of just being a fun powerful deck in the first place? If they're kind of junk, are you okay trying to run a sort of like gimmicky junk thing where you're really just trying to do one thing? Uh, and I'm I, I always try to stay equipped to be able to play against friends who want to do that so that I'm not just like, mm -hmm. you know, oh, you want to run Trypticon? Cool. Well, I have Major Shockwave or Octane. Yeah. Well, that right. could be problematic mm -hmm. on a number of fronts. Uh, that's actually why I love the MicroMaster teams because I, I if, if you make a popper deck for a MicroMaster team, half the time it's like no this is just a, this is a fun gimmicky thing that a friend can play something else dumb against or if it's like the off if it's if it's the planes we eventually realized like we you, you don't run the planes against someone who's trying to <laughs> have a good time because mathematically Seems you have fair. to start explaining things to them about why mm -hmm. why are all your guys swinging at me for five to seven <laughs> with it, you did nothing why are they hitting me so hard yeah uh, and then like they they cost them like this big yeah yeah Boy, poster stamp size. Yeah. <laughs> slight tangent. One of the reasons I got to look at those gameplay videos is like it has the the planes team, and there's a bit in one of them where I'm just like, man, like mathematically they got to do something about friggin' Tailwind, and the next day they revealed a, like a whole bunch of spoiler cards. Right. Where like screw that five star character. So I gotta I gotta make sure like I don't want to leave that whole bit in at least without a bit of voiceover because otherwise That's it's gonna fair. be like. It's gonna be like, all right, guys. Well, you old relics from early 2020. Let me tell you. How <laughs> right. that. That's fair. Um, but yeah, like, like if you're getting into the game from the fandom, just look and see where your where your faves are. Look and see what some of the top decks are, and if there's any matchups in there. Look to see what just some common decks are. If there's any matchups in there, um, and that, so character thematic wise, I think there's just tons of through lines. Uh, to someone who doesn't play a lot of TCGs, what I would also say is like. Don't be intimidated by the five waves. Uh, right. First, figure mm -hmm. out like like do you, are you like it's sort of a flow chart. Are you okay with buying singles? Yes, no. If you're okay with buying singles, boy, this is easy. Uh, especially yeah. if you're in the states where it's like it's nothing to order off TCG player. Like we can just we can just make you a list and order some singles, get you a deck for like ten twenty bucks, and you're good to go. Um, if you're down for buying stuff, uh, if you if you're straight up like no, I'm going to go all in. I'm going to be buying booster boxes. Then I'd be like okay, well. If you're in the states, might as well get Energon Edition because that's a booster box mm -hmm. of wave one. That's a stack of characters that all have mechanics you can have fun with, and there's also some goofy dice, and you can roll those. Uh, and it's just pretty as a set, like you know. Yeah, it is visually pretty. impressive. And if, and if you're a new player, it's like wave one is still a good booster box to get. Oh yeah, and absolutely. You, those characters, those characters all have decks you can play with them. Megatron might end up being kind of disappointing, but the the rest of them. It's hard not to find that, at least like a gimmick deck. That may be a repeating pattern down the line as well, but yeah, <laughs> point oh, taken. Megatron. Poor Megatron. You know, yeah. Lord Megatron was pretty freaky in Wave Four for that. Yeah, I had high hopes. He, uh, I have high hopes. I think for every Megatron that we've had since Wave One, every time I see I, him. But... Not to tangent more, I'm kind of hyped to play around with with Titan Master Megatron and Optimus just because I like how I like how much stuff they have. Mm -hmm. it's all kind of like just it's a little middling in the big picture but I like I just like how much stuff they're doing because I'm like that's a gimmick it's yeah. like a 
it's a big it's like astrotrain it's like it's a big clear gimmick that i can i can clearly slot some stuff into and play around with and, and right right that's also what i tend to tell or what i would i say like tell um I, I always, I always get my uh, my tenses weird. It's weird because English is my first language, and I still get tenses <laughs> weird all the time. Uh, hypothetical future is what I, I I would in that hypothetical future often tell someone coming to the TCG from the fandom is like, there's a lot of characters that are a bit of a gimmick, but like, it's really laid out what to do with them. And if like if you love Astro Train, it's pretty straightforward. Like what Astro Train wants to do, if you read his mm-hmm. card, see what all the sides do, and you right. can build a deck around that. Um, Superion is super straightforward what Superion wants to do. That's like the most classic combiner deck that you could build. Mm-hmm. I want to flip all my guys and combine them and do damage. And it's like, yeah, it's, it seems it's, okay. <laughs> it's straightforward, and if you play against someone who's like going like, huh, noob, and not paying attention, like, you're gonna probably, there's a decent chance you'll, you'll accidentally punch them in the kidney and they'll just fall over, right? Like, it can <laughs> happen. Uh, it, some of these, some of those themes and those ideas, they do as you're saying, they they form cohesive builds, even for someone starting out. Drew has said it before, where it's the, those flag posts or uh, roadside. I think he said flag posts is what he was calling a lot of them for building those sort of decks, so that it's an easy onboarding point. Yeah, and the only real warning I give people from the fandom getting into the card game is like, uh, don't don't go nuts. Like buy buy if you if you are able to buy a whole whack of cards, go for it. But like. If you want to be frugal, like like I said, there's so many decks that you can just look up a list and just get the singles for it. If you are in an area with players, there are so many people who will just hand mm. you commons. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and and like you can you can probably show up, buy a couple booster packs to support the store, and get handed an off road patrol aggro deck and just go for it. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And and have a good time. Uh, really, the the only the only like the only thing I, I would warn someone who's not into games about otherwise it's just don't get daunted by the notion of of high level play especially if you haven't played at all uh it's because with magic that's what happened to me is i i got into magic i immediately went onto youtube started watching youtube videos and then i immediately was like well if i'm not playing as good as every youtube video am i doing it wrong right and then it's like it's like I also have been playing Magic now. If I ignore the childhood part, enough enough decades passed, it can't really count anymore. So if I'm playing Magic, I'm six months into playing Magic. Should I be concerned about whether I'm like maintaining a high level of play? It's like, I mean, I could, but unless I'm aiming to be like a, a an e athlete, it's yeah, it's not of... necessarily what you're getting into the game for. Like setting a goal for what you want the game to be as a hobby. Yeah, and with Transformers TCG, it's it's so lovely that you can basically you can aim to learn a really strong deck and simultaneously aim to learn and run like three to, to seven mid tier gimmick uh, oriented decks that just have a cool thing they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then if you're, if you're a masochist, you can also just keep trying to figure out Drepticon. Uh, uh, well, you, you're, you're not alone in that effort, but <laughs> no, to, to me, Drepticon's the loud one. The one I genuinely want to figure out because I'm so sure there's so many moving parts. Is Menasaur? That's the one where I've actually I've cautioned friends because they're also all commons. It's really easy to go like, well, I can get the Stunicons, and I'm like, the thing about the Stunicons is like they do stuff, and even 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 if you just work with them as they are, they're a lot more brain burny than a lot of other decks you could run because none of them all do the same thing. You're gonna have to keep track of one of them shielding the others from direct damage. You're gonna have to keep track of this, this, and this. If you combine, you're gonna have to keep track of doing two actions every turn, and if you're just getting into the game 
that is a lot of mechanics to think about as well. Uh, right Absolutely. up front. Yeah. Um, it's funny. But, we actually had a night where he was actually really good against the other combiner teams is what we found. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. yeah. Well, I remember when I got my advanced box of wave two and this is, this was also pre Canada synchronization. So we didn't even know when we were getting wave two. Right. Yeah. I remember I, when that was a big deal. Yeah. I just, I just built a superior deck and a menace deck because I was lucky. I got all the common combiners oh, nice. in one box. So I yeah, built, yeah. built Superion with all the new cards, you know, Noble Blaster and everything. And I played them with some friends, and Superion kept losing. Mm-hmm. I, was like, I was like, oh man, is Superion not good? And then a few months pass, and I go and read up online what's going on. I'm like, oh no, no, never mind. I was also <laughs> building two decks out of one box. That could also be That could skew it. a few things, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. also when I was, I was obsessed with rapid conversion, so like every deck was like buttloaded with rapid conversion and mm. lots of oh, yeah. wave one mentality. Like there were a uh, lot of things, a lot of I guess what I had assumed at the time precedents that were being set and uh, you know flagship cards like the rollouts, the rapid conversions way back when that have that quite rapidly fell by the wayside. <laughs> you can probably find a recording of, of a podcast somewhere where I'm like rapid conversion is the single most important card. In this entire game, I can't even fathom running less than two in a deck <laughs> anywhere. I love I love that, that I said that at one point. <laughs> I've, I've said a lot of strange things as well that if people go back on old recordings, I was actually thinking about them the other day when we did the, the Wave 1 set review like a thousand years ago and trying to think back on other ones outside of Rapid Conversion and Rollout. And uh, there were other things that I'm like, yeah, this this has to show up at some point. And it's like, nah. It doesn't have to. It doesn't have to. It's not a requirement. <laughs> That's actually the one other caution I would I would give to a fan coming in to the TCG is like you don't if you can buy boxes that's cool. Buy boxes if you are a completionist and you really enjoy ripping boosters. Right. Uh and or you have friends to play limited with to make the most out of those boosters. Right, if right. you're not into that stuff because Having every single card, like like one one thing, if someone says is their power creep, it'd be like, well, the nice thing about this game is the power creep is there, but it's usually sideways instead of upwards. Mm. So it's creating more stuff rather than taking things that exist and just making them even stronger at the expense of everything else. Right. But uh, the, there are like, if if you were to like chase playsets of every single card, there are still lots of cards you probably wouldn't end up using a whole lot the longer you play the game. Mm-hmm. Um, unless you have really strong thematic ideas or you're coming up with like a commander deck style puzzle of a deck yes. that's going to do something kind of kooky. Um, and, and and I would say like at the end of the day, I, w- I, would, I would also say it is a trading card game and it comes with all of the downsides of that. Uh, mm. So I've had, I've had a, at least two friends who have said they would play it if it was an LCG. And I'm like, no, I get it. I get it. Mm-hmm. The upside is you you kind of can LCG your way into anything that isn't rare or super rare just by virtue of being around a player community. Yep. Um, and you can still make a lot of decks. That's why I'm also such a proponent of coming up with a popper format, because I think that's, that could balloon the accessibility of the game. Since in this game, my commons are usually not complete trash on the level that they are in like a magic, the gathering where it's like, yes, we've made yeah. cards for or draft. at least the modern commons. <laughs> yeah. 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 They, like, like draft chaff, I thought was people being you know gamers about stuff, and then you hear designers talk about, oh yeah, this card was designed uh, specifically to fill out the limited format. I'm like, you mean the one where you open the pack once? Yep, <laughs> that's ridiculous yep. to me. Like, we have limited oriented cards and transformers, but like I feel like 
a lot of them. I, I, there are some cards I still think are categorically useless as a massive optimist, but there there are a lot of cards where it's like, yeah, this, it's it's based on limited, but like in a hypothetical um, limited constructed format, like hypothetical popper format, this hmm. could still have a place. We uh, had tried something similar with that, or we're planning to until you know real life with the with exploring block with the two siege sets. So yeah. a lot of those cards that many people would may discount as limited fodder would have found a home in these things where exactly your point, whether it's pauper or other constrained constructed environment, some of these cards could shine. It's not to the level of magic or other games where it's, yeah, that that thing's not seeing the inside of a sleeve. But like as a non-expert, I still feel like I got a grip on this with magic where mm. it's like, like in transformers, we have a card where it's like, it's it's like one black pip weapon gives you plus one strength. It's like, well, that's not very good. It's like, yeah. In Magic, they have like a card that costs three mana. It's a one-one creature that does a thing you're never going to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like, like, that's uh, if you want to see the scaling. So, like, a one-pip weapon that does plus one serves a function still. Yes. Uh, <laughs> a one-one a, a creature who costs more than one mana with an ability that's nothing is literally useless. It is dust. It's it's corrugated cardboard. Like, yep. It, 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 that. You know, I'm, I'm going to avoid getting on that again because, like, <laughs> it bugs me out that artists have their hard work put on cards that are seen as garbage. <laughs> Does that feel bad? Yeah, I can, I can see that. Again, I have no artistic talent, but I could certainly being a little frustrated on that end. Yeah, but uh, yeah, like, like the the trading card game, collectible card game, it comes comes with stigma, and it is also it comes with danger too. If you are you know, if if a Transformers fan also says, "Yeah, I'm I'm barely keeping my toy collecting under control, and I'm real I'm real pliable to to addiction purchases and gambling," and it's like, "Woo, yeah, this... blind pack cards are probably a real." Yeah, this should uh, somebody needs to put up some stop signs and some flags or whatever to uh, let that individual know ahead of time. Yeah, that that that's where I, I just hope that that local player communities can continue to blossom because that way you can you can let people in. I would, you know, quote unquote, for free. Ideally, right. they, they ideally they buy a couple packs or at least singles from the store. But like, um, that's why. Like, I've had friends go like, I think I'm going to recycle all the all these commons I'm not doing anything with, and I'm like, J- just give them to me. I'll <laughs> I'll archive them away. I like sorting cards. It's a weird problem I have, but I like <laughs> sorting cards. I'll put them in the long box. You want to have your second job? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Scott is always looking for extra hands. I've been that person for friends opening boosters to store. I'm like, I'm like, I'm watching them just dump cards. And I'm like, just, 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 just give me that, give me that. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I, I've I've taken sorted playsets of commons and uncommons, and like at, at a TF con, I just I, I I put into the charity auction with Aaron's help. Mm. Um, it was a set of every common and uncommon battle card and character card from Wave One and Two as like a, a kind of beginner starter set at mm-hmm. the charity auction. Um, and I think stuff like that is also like good prize packs for new players. If yeah. you're in the great situation where you have new players just coming in to play like a limited format, you can go like, hey, do you want every common? Because I can just give you every common in a little a little plastic baggie right here. Right. Um, and as of the MicroMaster teams, I feel like that's more of an actual thing someone can play with as opposed to in Wave 1, it would be like here's Random a box conglomeration. Of yeah. yeah. And that actually spurred something. So you brought up TFCon. Has the TCG really, because I've wanted to attend TFCon before. I wanted to attend BACon before that, and just it never worked out. And 
may have to wait a little bit longer based on the way things are going. Yeah. But uh, has the TCG really seeped into those events? Because as an avid toy collector, I wanted to go there for the toys first. But it, is there a draw there as well, or is it still primarily toys? Or- it, it, it's still it's going to be primarily toys. Um, just just you know through attrition. It's going right. to be primarily toys. But uh, I wasn't expecting had- to like take over, but I didn't know if it was a, you know, there there will be random people playing. And it's like, hey, you want to play a couple games, sort of thing. We've we've managed to have a dedicated TCG room basically at every convention since um, Combiner Wars. Okay, cool. Uh, Rise of the Combiners, uh, and it depends. At that point, it depends kind of on the convention location and who's coming to run things. Mm-hmm. And there, there, you know, there's a lot of a lot of learning in that. Um, like for instance, we had one in Toronto where it was run as a tabloid paid event, but it was also two pack turbo, um, and gotcha. it was multiple rounds, and it was best of three. And through that, and then me kind of looking at some of the the written rules, that I think might have gone up after mm-hmm. the fact. I was like, because a lot of that event, I was like, this feels like a grind, and there's a lot of feel bad if your two packs weren't good. Yeah. And- and then it was it was also done with like two pack turbo, but you could also purchase another two packs and either use the first one or, you know, put the first one away and only use the second one, so you could kind of get that's a, a that's a head tilt slash eyebrow raise <laughs> sort of situation. It, it was it was like trying to figure out it, what they were trying to do was figure out as the vendor who was running was trying to figure out how do I run a tournament that is accessible but also has entry fees for prizing, mm-hmm. and so they were thinking two pack turbo basically at the time. And I can see the logic. It just, yeah. Yeah. It was, it was good that we did it because we, the learning experience from that was two pack turbo should never be best of three unless you're just playing with friends. Cause yeah. if you have a bad two pack turbo and you do best of three game two mm. feels like literal hell. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I could see that. And you also, you also paid maybe five bucks to enter the event. So you're like, I got to sit this out. I paid five bucks to enter. This. Yeah. <laughs> But you're trapped. You're trapped. I'm in- running scrapnel, scrapnel. I got paid to do this, though. <laughs> <laughs> I've uh, I've sat through a few of those myself because my wife loves two-pack. So, like, across a number of games. So, whenever we play or whenever new sets come out and I pick up the boxes, it ends up boiling down to, all right, we got to set a few aside so we can do this. Yeah, and and, I, and, and so, like I said, they're, they're, uh, they were doing, doing, I think they were still doing a very good job given that there was no knowledge to operate off of right uh, right for this and and so and so i try to i try to offer help where i can the thing i've kind of i will straight up say the thing i've shied away from doing is being the one running it mm-hmm. um because i want to play oh yeah <laughs> so, oh, I guess uh, so. at a certain point i think they're unless 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 more folks show up who who become as mechanics minded as myself and a couple others i may end up needing to be there in a non-player capacity to help with judging um, gotcha. Just because I, I, I'm not, I'm not like a rules expert, but for whatever reason, I grok mechanics pretty mm. well after a while. Um, and and when you're, I, you know, I, I've done it, but I've seen it, I, seeing it from the outside in makes it clear to me. When you're in the heat, like that that moment where your brain's actually warm, and you're like, I got to figure this out. I'm gonna do it. Like mechanics are the last thing on your mind, and you're you're just hoping your autopilot works. And it, it really helps to have someone else go like, yeah. <laughs> well, it, I mean, that's why they're judges. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, at TFCon, um, TCG, as far as I know, it's always going to at least have a, a room. And even if TCG ends up losing its room for whatever reason, uh, there's always lobbies, there's always seating areas, and there are gotcha. always people now who are at le- who at least have some of the game. There's There's been times where I've gone to a show where someone's like, I've never played it, I just I have a bunch of the cards, I want someone to show yeah. me how to play it. Gotcha. Um, 
at, at uh, PAX Unplugged, there was a fellow uh, who, who's doing some webcam playing, and uh, I'm real great at forgetting names in the moment, so I apologize. I'm going to go look it up while I'm talking. <laughs> All right. But uh, he put out word on Twitter um, the night before the EI where he was like, I'm here for the show, but I, I, I got introduced to this Transformers TCG, and I really want to play. Is anyone out there playing this game at PAX Unplugged? And I, I didn't think much <laughs> well, have I got a story for you. <laughs> Basically, I don't think he knew the EI was happening until I told him about it. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm, <laughs> I'm yeah. sure that's the case. Or, you know, it would have been, oh, yeah, I'll go to that spot. <laughs> yeah, it's like, hey, you want to you enter a tournament? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, he basically that night, it was, I forgot what day the EI was of the week. Was it Saturday, the EI? Uh, it was Friday and Saturday, yeah. Friday, yeah, yeah Friday. Yeah. Friday. So Thursday night, he posted that, and I went to bed thinking nothing of it. And then Friday morning, I woke up really early and I saw that he'd not been replied to at all. And it was like three hours till the EI started. So I replied to him and I was like, I got three hours if you want to want to play. Um, and yeah, he he had a pile of cards, like <laughs> tons of cards. So I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll tell you what all these are. I'm going to set us up some starter decks. I'm going to I'm going to caution you. Maybe don't look at these cards until you've played a few games, because this is going to get confusing if you start thinking about all these mechanics. Right, right. Um and that's why I'm, I've, I've been such a big proponent of the Windblade Bumblebee starter, because those two decks, if you mm -hmm. split the deck, give one person the star card and, and one person not, uh, give the star card to the teacher. Um, it's a beautiful way to teach the game. So many mechanics present themselves, even in Wave 5 now. Mm. Just the fact that you're getting every, like every pip color, uh, if I recall right. correctly. Maybe not black pips, now that I'm thinking about um, it. Yeah, I was about to say, I'm trying to... I think that was pre-Black Pips, but regardless, okay. yeah. Also, Black Pips are, are the one to not have in the Teach game. I would agree. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and yeah, that, like, like at, at TFCon, you're, I, I can't imagine anymore going to a TFCon and not finding someone who's like, oh, I'm now to play some games. Like, they might not have brought their cards, mm. but if you were there hoping to play, you've probably got a couple decks on you. Right. And you're like, you okay running my Devastator or something? And, yeah, yeah. Nice. Um, well, it's good to hear that it's... Uh, Kind of like we were talking about earlier, just the the overlap between the micro fandoms within Transformers, for lack of a better mm. way to describe it. Uh, yeah. That it is, because I'll admit, it, when the game was first announced, I knew I was getting into it, but it was a, okay, well, if people are collecting Transformers toys or other Transformers media, are they willing to go in on yet another thing? Or is magic going to eat our lunch is it you know all these all these factors that came in that obviously if it's present at these areas and people are interested that they were unfounded fears i guess well um i'm just gonna quickly say i found i found the fellow's name is brian wiggins of brian-wiggins.com uh, okay cool who uh, <laughs> i was teaching the game to um in toronto we had at least two players who were basically like yeah i used to play magic and i got sick of it and i really love card games and this game seems good so that's why i'm playing it uh, so I, I think when it comes to magic eating our lunch, it eats our lunch in terms of table space at a store. Absolutely. And in terms of, of <laughs> getting on the happen. microphone. Uh, yeah, like it, it makes it hard to attract players because it's just louder and it has more shiny things to give people. Of uh, course. But uh, I, I've heard the story multiple times now of the person who got kind of sick of magic, the, the not the culture, even the culture, the culture has problems, but like the players are not always the problem, but just the the financial culture, the the like you mm -hmm. said, the non-strategic metagame of magic can just mm -hmm. become sickening after a while to right. deal with. And uh, I, I've heard the story of like, yeah, I got sick and tired of magic. I really like card games that have this much thought that you can put into them. And so Transformers is filling that role nicely. 
I know Ashes Rise of the Phoenix Born was filling that role for some folks for a while as well. Um, mm. Star Wars Destiny was filling that role for some folks for a while. Um, yeah, we, there was a Destiny community in Toronto at Harry Tarantula, which is another place we'd been playing Transformers. And vicariously, it was it sucked so much to see them have to like life support the way their way through their own yeah, game, especially in Canada. Uh, Asmodee prize support is like, you know what I'd take no prize support rather than waiting for Asmodee prize support is what I saw. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, it, it's Transformers collectors like we've speaking for lots of people with a broad strokes brush. We've we've bought a lot of nonsense. Like there there was the old Transformers card game. Where <laughs> Tell you me about it. Yeah, we were just talking about that the other day. Like all the the random branded Transformers games. <laughs> Yeah, like that's that's I said it earlier, but like Transformers toys, usually you find something cool. Media like comic books, TV shows, etc., uh, movies, usually you'll find something you can enjoy. If it's not those two things, though, boy howdy, it usually goes bad. It's all it's like a happy accident when like we get a good video game. Yeah, uh, it's it's unthinkable. It was unthinkable until I sat down to play with the Gen Con stuff Aaron sent me and my friend that a TCG about Transformers would be anything but a goof it, I, right. we were expecting it to be like a tactics all over again that yeah. was a tactics. hey but i like a tactics let's not get wild <laughs> i'm not gonna trash <laughs> I know. i'm gonna say a tactics packaging hugely did damage to the idea of it being a game <laughs> oh there's the there's a we actually like i said we were talking in discord about all the variety of stuff and i brought up a tactics and somebody said yeah i i have no idea how to play and as somebody that's played, of course, it's like, well, it's just these are the rules. But yeah, there were a lot of I will accept that there were a lot of things wrong with the tactics. A, I, the tactics had more depth to it than I thought when someone actually told me how it works. Is the yeah. thing because the part where you move things a number of clicks across the table, mm-hmm. I was like, wait, there's measured movement in this game because all <laughs> the packaging makes it look like set up your friend's stuff and shoot missiles at them, and that's it. Yeah, it just. Looks like regular GI Joes, effectively with missile launchers. <laughs> yeah, the I felt I felt like there could have been there could have been a different messaging on that to I don't know make it make it sound more like a a brain activity. Yeah, there's uh, it's definitely a, a fun not to digress too far in that, but I that's something because we were also talking about Transformers potential for miniatures games. I thought the Whiz Kids figures. I think you did a, a video on those as well, right? Yeah, that was, that was my one interview I shot at PAX Unplugged when I mm. thought I'd still be able to do all kinds of stuff other than the EI. <laughs> <laughs> About that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I had high hopes for that because I thought it was going to be a a miniatures game as well. Uh, yeah. Obviously, that didn't turn out, but I, it it seems like an easy space to insert the Transformers property, property and, depending on the company doing it, do it well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that they, company would, would not be wizards at this point, so they're not really into that. So yeah, they aren't. I, yeah. And it's, I mean, I, I would love to see a tactics come back just because <laughs> I think the concept itself is hysterical. Like I like the idea of shooting the little missiles or or swinging the guys to hit things rather than a traditional, you know, build and paint minis thing. Although I'm doing that with other games, so I guess why not that too. <laughs> Something I've learned since looking into board games is like the entire genre of um, dexterity games, like yeah. Flick'em Up mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Crocodile being the big Canadian one. Yep. Uh, and a tactics. I think there's a version of a tactics that is a you know somewhat kitty, somewhat goofy uh, dexterity mm-hmm. game. Um, I think that the click movement is interesting. I think it's too easy to mess up. 
because you have, you have to push down, right? Like, you have to you have to press a little bit. I mean, to be honest, these are now like well, fifteen plus years old. I think they were early two thousands was when yeah. they first came out. So like, let's just say some of the parts are starting to deteriorate. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think you need to you need to do two things at least. Number one, just use a, a movement measure. It doesn't have to be inches; it can just be like units yeah. on a stick. Uh, and number two, make the um, the products themselves make them easy to replace the springs, so you can you can ensure that they maintain their. Efficacy. That's the challenging part. Yeah, because I've obviously having them. I'm on the lookout for you know. Okay, is there a garage sale that had old toys that are about the same size? Can I steal the, you know, the I'll take the thing home, strip the the missile launcher off and then glue it on this other one because then it'll work again sort of thing get yourself get yourself some uh, some tensile wire get yourself a big rod and just get your get a little smithing area so you yes. start making your own springs <laughs> it's so simple what did i think of that <laughs> so i'm a solutions person right. <laughs> see this is why we got you here so i i got all these questions i i have plenty of questions we'll get answers <laughs> um, um, yeah a miniatures game always it always feels like that's that's like two steps away and then something happens where everything has to take a step back for a second like yeah. perpetual i mean it's uh, kind of in the same boat as a a a D module for transformers that sort of thing as well yeah yeah the the miniatures are nice like i'm i, I think it's really cool that transformers is getting to pop up in places like miniatures or like those those terror actually terrifyingly complicated little metal mold, models you can do like the mm -hmm. flat pack metal models I got one uh, of those for my birthday and have not tried to assemble it because yeah, they uh they look they complex. Look so easy. They look so easy until you open it. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, how hard is it? Oh boy. I'm gonna do that another weekend. <laughs> yeah, Transformers uh I wouldn't I'm not gonna like hold my breath on it. I think I think the TCG is 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 so much of a happy happenstance. I'm like, I'm not going to hold my breath for for that kind of thing to happen a second time in a row. Fair. That's uh, a, yeah, I can get behind that. But yeah, <laughs> there, there's been a lot of we we said this earlier, but we've been pretty fortunate in other realms as far as media goes with Transformers. So yeah, if we get our 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 TCG that's working out well, I can I can accept that and live with it. Don't want to get yeah. greedy about it. Oh, and going, where I think this started was like you know, are Transformers fans going to want to buy a whole TCG and like that? That basically, yeah. yeah. I think anyone who's a fan of Transformers who's remotely interested in, in a card game would probably look to that first, unless they're already invested in a, in another lifestyle game. Of course. Yeah. Um, yeah and then we just got to get them out of that lifestyle game. Just go like, listen, Key Forge is fun, but you've got 50 decks. You got enough <laughs> to last you for a lifetime. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Besides, these have characters that you know and love and grew up with. Yeah. And you know, you don't need to, made you up need to, <laughs> keep buying decks to get a combiner hoping you get the two card tyrannosaurus rex thing you just well, go get you uh go get you a dreadwing go get you a dreadwing maybe we'll pick a different combiner but yeah <laughs> maybe not dreadwing <laughs> unless they really like dreadwing i know palmer yeah. was all in on dreadwing and menosaurus for a while so I'm I'm still I'm still a Dreadwing fan of someone who's barely played as him cuz I, I whenever uh. I play against one I'm always like oh crap because <laughs> I'll play against Dreadwing, and then oh. it'll be about halfway through turn one where I'm like, oh, right, there's going to be like 50 mounted missiles on this thing. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. I mean, that it, you would, we've, we're starting to go in circles for some of these things, but the, the 
it sounds silly to say, but the customizability for this particular game, I think, plays right into all the the character attachments and that, okay, well, you can still do a cool thing with your favorite character, even if it has to be at the kitchen table and not at the game store just because it's competitive there and it's fun here sort of thing. It gives yeah. people a lot of outlets. That's why I was such a big fan of most of those um, um, retro stratagems. Yes. Uh, like Volcanicus mm-hmm. one is, is to me still just a masterpiece in taking like original Volcanicus was the, my biggest problem stepping away from a lot of opinions I have about it is it was simultaneously a gimmick deck and also a massive brain burner. Yeah. Just to do one thing once. And so that's that stratagem at least makes the thing so satisfying that it, it, yeah. it, it elevates it up to like, There's a good this payoff. is a puzzle. Yeah, this is a puzzle where when I solve it, I'm not getting given like, all right, you solved the puzzle. Here, have a, a salad. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, that's... You know, now I get a candy bar, you know? <laughs> at least it, yeah, at least it's enticing at the end for the, yeah. the carrot you're chasing. I can get behind that. Uh, it's funny you bring up stratagems. I meant to ask you about those earlier and the, the legacy stuff um, and how you felt about it as compared to would you always want to see new things or just kind of tack on an unrelated question since i know the story about you and Spream, do you how much do you appreciate that the game does kind of have those deep cuts of pulling in these obscure or arbitrary characters would you prefer or do you think it would be better if it focused on the big stars all the time i think if it focused on the big stars less transformers fans would be interested so I think the deep cuts are actually what draws in more Transformers fans who don't play games. I can uh, see that. You look at this one. Wave one, to this day, there are still people who haven't, someone who hasn't paid attention to it. You'll wow them if you tell them there's a Flame War card. You'll double wow them if you tell them, oh, and they also made a second Flame War. <laughs> it's like, there's no way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, th- those deep cuts, I think, are what makes the game feel genuine. And, and it's, it's what makes the game feel uh, like it isn't just another farted out um, chicken a box like Transformers didn't have a card game. We got to make it a card game, right? Uh, and those, it's not just the four cuts. evergreens. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, like, like even even the deep cut. Like, hey, this, the promo headmaster Titan Master is going to be uh, another brainstorm using a name the toys can't use any anymore, and is going to be Decepticon to reference a thing from the comic books. Yeah. Like, All right. Cool. Or Tidal Wave to do Tidal Wave is such a massive statement as a store promo, yes. not even as like. We're gonna make Tidal Wave a single, you know, uncommon character card, you know, as a goof. It's like, no, he's gonna be a three-part combining deck in and of himself. Uh, we don't have his minicon in here. We're gonna work it in by giving you a slot for a MicroMaster. <laughs> like th- that kind of stuff to me makes other that that always makes people who don't play the game, who are fans, get interested when I tell them what the game's doing. Like even yeah. if they don't want to play a collectible card game, they're like, I just don't like you know blind pack cards. I'm like, that's mm. cool they'll still be into what they're hearing. They're like, no, no, if, if you can ever just hand me a deck, then I'm down. Like, right. that sounds really fun. Yeah. I think, I, I think it's, yeah, it's hugely important. Yeah, that's why I wanted to ask you about it, because I do get a sense of, and it's not like I've talked to a ton of people or I've done some exhaustive survey, but the, there is the, you know, the general fatigue of, well, how many Bumblebees can I see? How many Optimuses can I see? How many whatevers can I see? And the fact that, like, Sky Shadow is a thing. 
who the hell would have said, you know, name your top 10, name 10 Transformers, let alone your top 10 or whatever, to an arbitrary person. I'm going to go out on a limb and say Sky Shadow is not on the list, but he's still prominent. And I actually had a conversation with some of the Watsi guys at EI, and like, it is, it made sense that if you have these obscure characters, it helps draw all those different micro fandoms together because it's like, it's somebody's favorite character. And also it's, well, who is this character? I want to go learn more. I thought I knew all the Transformers, that sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, and also it's like someone who just thinks Sky Shadow is cool. Like they really liked Black Shadow, the, the old, like the original Sky Shadow yes. from, uh, from Master Force. It, 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 it will tickle someone when you tell them like, hey, you know, you know, Sky Shadow? He's freaking kicking every ass right now in the TCG yeah. that he showed up. Turns exactly. out. They're, they're going to be like, you know what? Good. Good. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, does, does Sky Shadow beat, uh, beat Shockwave? Does he beat Optimus Prime? Does Sky Shadow beat Optimus Prime? Oh, he's beating some Optimus Primes. Good. <laughs> <laughs> My time has come. <laughs> but yeah, it, it, good. This is good. a game where in the limited format, like to me, one of the biggest moments is dudes who don't know a ton about Transformers telling me like, oh, we're playing limited. Hope I pull Raider Ion Storm. And I'm like, you care more about Ion Storm than anyone <laughs> in 30 years has cared about that one animation blip that we gave a name at some point. Yep. And I love it that, like, they give power Flame War being this omnipresent five-star character yep. for, like, half the game's life cycle at least. And you tell people, like, that's another time where I told people, like, oh, everyone runs Flame War. They're like, everyone runs Flame War? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, they made Flame War good. Like, <laughs> it, it is, it, that's definitely a cool moment that I can, yeah, I agree with you that it's come up before of, if it's not Flame War, it's pick other random character that has shown up or, you know, everybody yeah, has their at, favorite. She was never random to me because I played Transformers Legends on my mobile and she was really good there. So I loved I it when she was in that too. I was yeah, like, yeah. when Legends was putting in like deep cuts like that before I dipped out of it, I was like, it's cool you're you're mixing in stuff like Flame, like Dr. Archiville in right. Legends. Mm-hmm. Still, every time I talk to those Watsi guys, I'm I try to always mention, you know, there is really good artwork for Doctor Archiville, and <laughs> he may be a human. He's in a giant chair, and you did yeah. make he made Scamper. Uh, hey man, they, they we have technically one star characters. I mean, maybe <laughs> there's a way. Yeah, uh, but but also just quickly bouncing off those 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 retro stratagems. Yeah. I also think that those, those are also nice to be able to tell people about who've been spectating that like. Hey, you know that super rare that everyone said sucked? Like, now it, it actually has a through line. Yeah. You know, or, uh, or with Cosmos, like, hey, you know, Cosmos was that kind of like spooky thing when you were playing Wave 1 before you dipped out? Like, they, they did a thing to respook him. Yeah. He's, he's respooked. The, uh, the Cosmos one, especially, I mean, I tried really hard competitively, and he had, he looked good for a while, but I also, I mean, it cycles right back to the, I mean, Cosmos isn't obscure, but. I've found a new love of Cosmos due to other media, so the the interlinking of all these things is, you know, I mean, it was going to be obvious, but it, I do appreciate it. I, I should also, just to, to, to reference another previous part of this, there is also briefly a Cosmos in Cyberpunk Season 3. Ooh, okay. Uh, but yeah, like, like really, the only, like the only one of those stratagems that ended up really bumming me out was actually Windblades, because I participated in that deck-building challenge, and so had two of my friends and we put lots of thought into Windblade and then when they revealed the strategy and we were like that's literally the one thing we didn't really feel yeah. like we wanted anymore give you stats yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. it was very plain it's, even like by comparison fine. 
like her stats are like one of the fun parts of running that deck is like I got this beefy centerpiece, you know, who's not going to just get, you know, cut down in one turn. There's, there's double digits. Yeah, right. right. Uh, yeah, that was that was a bit of a bummer. But the rest of them I've enjoyed. Like the Springer one is absolute goofballs, but like <laughs> yeah. I, I I love the I still love the idea of the the um the 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 engine building repair deck where it's like it's like it's like that that deck i ran in standard magic i liked i like the idea of life gain with perks right so right. whenever you can start like getting like recursive life gain ticks and then someone benefits from constant life gain happening mm. like I, I like that idea uh, well, then you may appreciate the new optimus i know you'd mentioned you want to try them out but ooh, okay yeah the uh the new optimus titan master optimus uh yeah yeah, he, he seems okay. <laughs> we have a few things that we we showcased him on, but I actually like that deck a lot. I, I ended up liking Life Gain when I found that I was able to do it as a way to like in a snap I can like undo someone else's turn of of effect to to my the way side counter the spells were meant to be played, right? Yeah, where it's like oh, you did three damage to me. Okay, I start my turn by healing three, so that that turn didn't happen. <laughs> it's, no. it's, 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 it's like, like technically, it's like their turns still happen. They still drew cards. They still executed part yeah. of their plan. But really, uh, none of it mattered. None of that, it mattered. It's that thing I kept talking about with the with the EI. Like, I kind of like the psychological end of playing card games. That like, I start. I, you know, you see it in Magic when you play against. You see anyone playing against Blue, right? Like, mm. it's an immediate psych out. And like, the part where in some situations the mechanics of what's going on are one thing, but like the hypotheticals of what you might be doing can just mess with somebody like my my right. favorite thing I, I i remember for this in magic is i went to a pre-release it was it was core 2019 i think where they did all the elder dragons again okay and uh i had junk and i didn't know how to build a limited deck without a really obvious through line so i just ran this you know kind of junky five three or five color deck uh i had inadvertently been running all the colors of nickel bolas and there is a guy where I took at least one game from him because he was absolutely convinced by my land placement. He vocally said this constantly. Mm. Like, you, got, you got bolus. Crap. Oh, God. You got bolus. Oh, no. <laughs> he, he altered mm. Just messing with this plan. guy the whole time. His entire game plan altered around preventing me from summoning a thing I didn't have. <laughs> That's hilarious. When the, when the game was done, I told him, I was like, dude, I got to tell you, I don't have bolus. <laughs> he's like, what? Just flips the table. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. That like, is like, hilarious. That side of card game of of one on one card gaming is like something uh-huh. I just find really interesting. Like at the EI, my my favorite example of it. Well, the, I guess favorite's not quite the right word, but like the the one that jumps to mind is preparing for fatigue at EI. And like, yeah, in that case, knowing that there's going to be a lengthy limited segment, knowing a lot of people get very hot during limited, as far as like if you get a bad pull. It's gonna put it's gonna put a lump on your brain that doesn't go away for right, a couple right. hours, and that in those couple hours they're gonna have to keep playing. And so, the way that that manifested for me was was just like deciding I was deciding between running Major Shockwave or Octone, and at the, and then at the last minute when I finally submitted the deck, I was like, I'm gonna run Octone because if my brain gets a stone stuck into it, I don't want to have to think about Major Shockwave as well, you know, as a pilot of that deck. Like that's, that's fair. That, that's going to possibly lead to just a meltdown. So I'm right, going to run. I'm going to run Octone with two Battle Masters, where all I really have to do is think about Octone for the most part. My <laughs> Battle Masters are part of the plan, but like the brain work is like, okay, where do I aim the bounty? Where do I, you know, what do I put on Octone? Exactly. I get my stuff for him. Makes sense. Uh, 
But yeah, that's that's I haven't thought about that actually in a while because I haven't played in a while. <laughs> but I, I really I like I like the idea of like of like figuring out like can I psych out the opponent? Can I just do something where it like looks like I'm going to do something clever? Like, <laughs> oh, there's a friend of mine uh, who I was telling he was like he was running a Nemesis Prime deck with the White Pip Autobot Micromat the Rescue Team. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, the one with Sea Watch, the boats. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll never forget it because it's only one boat. boat. It's only one boat. But all yeah. those boats, that car boat, that truck boat. Exactly. Uh, all those boats. Uh, and he was using that with all the white pip stuff just to churn through his deck. Right. Uh, Makes sense. He played it the first time he ran it. Someone just assumed it was a daring escape combo deck and freaked out and was playing kind of <laughs> dumb. And I told him, I was, like, I was like, dude, you should just put a copy of Daring Escape in there. So that they you see it, it, yeah, because they'll see it and go, "Oh God, what's happening?" It's like if I was going to run Springer without Daring Escape, I was like, I, I might just put a, a Daring Escape in anyway, just to make the opponent think I might have thought of something, and then they're going to have that in the back of their head the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> My man playing psychological games against everybody. I, I, psychological games in a card game to me, like when they're not like. I guess, I guess specifically when they're like that and they're not like you stare the opponent in the eye and go like, I know where you live or something like that. Uh, yes, like, <laughs> that's a little different. <laughs> it's psychological a- in the context of the cards on the table. Yes. I, I find it really fascinating. And like, it, obviously, you're going to play opponents who are confident and who aren't even thinking about what you think you're trying to make them think about. But it, it, it's a fun aspect of the game to me. And I feel like it's one that like one can engage with if one feels like they're not super strong at deck building or have, have trouble concentrating on piloting something complicated. Is like think of some goofy tricks you can do to like make an opponent for a game like get distracted or or, or get annoyed. Like Bombshell in wave one would annoy people by not dying. I would uh, imagine. <laughs> or in my Octone deck in wave four, one of the reasons I loved running um oh uh sites. Mm. Um, is because sites with with that with focus on defense and in a, in a sort of blue black oriented deck with, with a couple of grenade launchers is like sites would always take I'd find sites would die about a turn or two after the opponent would in some way clearly be really irritated sites hadn't died yet <laughs> they go all right I'm getting that guy now <laughs> yeah and I'm like I like the idea that like you're getting real mad at my battle master who gives Octone a massive boost when right. you kill yeah. battle master. <laughs> I want to make you want to kill the Battlemaster just by being irritating. <laughs> Seems like a sound game plan. <laughs> yeah, it's a fun, it's a fun thing to think about. With Titan, oh, with Titan Masters, I haven't even put any thought. Titan Masters, I'm still trying to figure out. Like, I'm still trying to get my head around all the heads because I, I, I adamantly don't want there. to think. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to think of them as their stat boosts because I think that's the easy thing to do. That is probably the most sensible thing to do. Mm-hmm. But like, I want to, I want to be the person who's like, no, I'm not putting the plus one on. I'm putting, I'm putting. Uh, I'm putting uh, Briscoe on this guy. I'm running. I'm running Optimus Prime Briscoe, <laughs> and I am not telling you what Briscoe does, even though I have to glance down to look every now and then to remember. Uh, I also can't remember what Briscoe does. <laughs> that's, that's one of those stat boost ones. He's one of those stat boost ones. <laughs> I didn't want to interrupt tell you while you were on a roll. <laughs> okay, they got to tell him that I know what Briscoe does. Tell him I invented Briscoe. <laughs> <laughs> I'll write your name on the Briscoe I have. <laughs> Invented by Chris Hone. They're like, oh, the yeah, yeah. Why is it in Sharpie? Oh, you know, printing error. You know, he's yeah, like, exactly. Uh, no, that's an autograph. It's an autograph copy. Yeah, it's like it's like <laughs> topspin with his stars. It's printing error. Yes, so I had to fix it. Oh God, if I have to hear more about topspin. <laughs> topspin. Does that mean I can just run infinite topspins because we read what the card does? Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, okay, so All Scott, right. what do you got? 
it's it's eleven forty five. Okay, I gotta go. I gotta go to bed. Well. All right, then we will wrap it up. Uh, Chris Link, kick it to you at the end. Anything you want to plug? Obviously, you mentioned your show a number of times. Where can people find you? All that fun stuff. Yeah, I'll do the list. Uh, if you want to hear some podcasting, it's primarily hosted on uh, tfw2005.com. If you go to wtf.tfw2005.com, that is our main podcast page. Uh, within there is also our WTF at TCG podcasts. Those also go up on YouTube uh, because I like the TCG a lot and I want to put them there. Um, and on YouTube, uh, I also function there. I'm uh, Vangelis Central on YouTube or Vangelis with a one instead of the L. I forgot if both of those still work. But if you look up Vangelis uh, reviews, you'll find it. If, if you look up Vangelis TCG, you'll find some TCG stuff. I have a playlist. I tend, to, I try to add everything to it of just you know booster openings and and uh, TCG stuff, uh, podcasts, etc. Um, I'm on Twitter as Vangelis. I'm on Instagram as Vangelis Central. Uh, on Facebook, there is a page called Vangelis Central that I post updates to, but it's mostly when I put up new podcasts and videos. Uh, Instagram and Twitter are where I usually am the most. Um, and uh, I'm about to put up a video. I got to shoot two more clips for it. I'm about to put up a video of Three Zeros Premium Bumblebee Movie Bumblebee, the 14 inch tall one. Nice. Um, I've been I've been having a, among other things in lockdown. It's uh, I'm really glad a lot of people said it first. The whole thing of like don't feel bad if you're not productive because boy howdy, it's been hard for me to feel productive. <laughs> Back half of every month in I lockdown, kind of time dilation nightmare. Yeah. Uh, but uh, no, I finally got that video put together. I've got one coming for Earthrise Prime as well. I need to film a whole bunch of it, but I got I got all the script and audio done for it. Nice. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm hoping that that's going to, I'm really hoping that'll k- kick me into some momentum of like just rolling on, keep going. But uh, those those are my main spots. I also really like talking about Tokusatsu, Kamen Rider, um, Ultraman Super Sentai Garo. Uh, I'm into all those things as well. Um, not in any citable podcast form right now that I'm aware of, but uh, I've, <laughs> okay. I've popped up on... I popped up on podcasts about that stuff. Cool. Uh, and uh, yeah, other than that, like, like Twitter's where I am the most right now. I'm not saying Twitter's a great platform. It's just where I am the most right, right okay. now. Um, and uh, if I ever seem like I've disappeared, I'm probably still floating around on Twitter somewhere. But gotcha. uh, yeah, if you like, if you like TCG, if you like Transformers, if you like robots, if you like dudes in suits fighting, uh, <laughs> hit me up. I like talking about that stuff. I also like talking about TCG stuff. I, I hope I can get in on all of y'all's uh, webcam play and octagon play more once I can. Awesome. Get yeah, we definitely love home. to have you. We definitely love okay. to have you because uh, it's been a great pleasure talking to you, Chris. It's been a lot of fun. Very long, but because we had a lot of fun. I, I mentioned it twice. I, just, I, I, I will once again. I always I have, I have to do this. I always apologize when I Dang. pop up on other people's podcasts. And it's like, all right, so it's now, oh, it's 11.45. We just hit the three-hour, eight-minute mark. Uh, <laughs> usually precise. It's on... It sounds like you may have a recording yourself going. I might have recorded locally just as, as out of habit. It's just me, though. I didn't, I didn't Fair. do call. I'm going to do part three or whatever we're looking at, so it's all yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, I, I will say I also tend to apologize twice if I know the podcast has also an editor afterwards who mm. no one is ever going to be talking to. I'll just start talking to them, but I can't do that here. <laughs> As far as I know, anyway, unless you got one in a box somewhere. No, no, it's uh, you're looking at him. So, <laughs> but uh, I'll, I'll, I'll apologize to you, Mister Editor, that you have to go through all this. You know, hand comb all the ums out uh, of everything uh, about then, that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll uh, maybe if we sign up for like a call miner service or something. But <laughs> anyway, all right, folks. Uh, as I said, it's been a lot of fun. Chris, thank you for joining me. Scott, thanks for right. staying conscious with us. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
appreciate it. Okay. Oh, not okay. a problem. We'll, hopefully, if you had enough fun, we can hit you up again at some point down the road to have you back on because I, I think people will like hearing from you when this goes live. Oh, yeah. give, give me a poke, especially if anyone out there wants to brainstorm some dumb stuff like other formats or come up with the with the Metroplex boss fight. Let's friggin' let's bounce ideas. Nice. Sounds good to me. All right, folks. As always, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. And Black Lives Matter.